For those that have the Bible, and I hope you got your Bible with you, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Find that, put a finger there, and then go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Put a finger there. And we are still on the lows theme, never stop improving. And today is vision. Let me read. Starting with verse number 26. It may say 25. Let's start with uh, 25. Everybody got it? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I like these next five words. For you see your calling. That's what we want everybody to do. We want you to see your calling. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh or mighty or noble are called. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Despi and base things of the world and things which are despised, God has chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. Now, 2 Corinthians. Chapter 12, verse 1, Paul writes, It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Father, take the words that we will speak here this, this day, and I am believing, God, it will, be, uh, uh, it will help the heart of every person that's here and help them to receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, give me that first uh, slide. should be a picture. Um, that picture right there. And it's almost unfair to do this because people that listen on the CD or listen by the 90.9 The Vine, but it's a wagon with, with four square wheels and all the round wheels are inside the wagon and two men trying to push and pull the wagon. Um, what they need is in the wagon. Same way with this church. What we need is in this church. We built this whole church and basically it was from people that were in this church. And I've seen this happen time and time and time again. It just, people just, raised, just get raised up from this church. Um, David Brown, playing the keyboards. I mean, it's incredible. He just, just yeah, just use that talent. Be able, to, uh, uh, be able to use that talent. Mark Smith last week was uh, uh, doing the bongos and singing. How many enjoyed that? Yeah. Uh, Debbie Camp started teaching a, a Sunday school class, and she said, oh, I don't know if I can do that. And uh, I hear that she does a great job with that. So the miracle is right here in the house. It really is. Give me that next one. Now, my question is, do you see a young lady or do you see an old woman? Who sees both? Who's looked at this before? Yeah. Yeah. Vision. That's how you look at things. King David said in the book of Psalms 36, in thy light we shall see light. 
LD and Bonnie Locke's been helping me do some uh, wiring on a building, and Bonnie said this past week, the older I get, the more light I need. Hello, me too. Amen. When I hit 40, I, it was like, what's wrong with this book I'm reading? And it wasn't a book at all. It was my eyesight. And in my light, I see light. The older I get, the more I need this right here. I just really do. I do. 103 times in the Bible, the word vision is used. And do you know that God views things different than we do? And in that, I refuse to be chicken little in my life. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And unfortunately, the church world is filled with those kind of people. We can never try anything, never do anything, because never going to work out. Well, who's to say it won't work out? It might. It might. And because of this vision in my life of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I know that the gospel is good news. It was good news for old brother Noah as he was floating on them brown floodwaters. And it was good news for Jairus when Jesus healed her, his daughter. And it was good news for Simon Peter that was converted. It was good news for Mark Shell that was converted. It's good, the gospel is good news. That is the vision that I choose to look at. Lose yourself in something bigger than yourself. This is the true joy of life, being used up for a purpose bigger than yourself, being a blessing instead of a feverish little clot of ailments and grievances, always complaining that you're never happy. If that's you, shame on you. Visions are easy to criticize. Visions attract critics. Visions are difficult to defend. And visions sometimes die and have to be resurrected. See, here's the, here's, the, here's the facts of the matter. Critics will always have the facts on their side. The 12 disciples, they entered into the land. Two brought back a good report. Ten brought back the report. That was a factual report. There are giants in them, their hills. Them giants are bigger than us. They have walled cities. That was a fact. But the truth was, God was going to give them that land. Well, preacher, it's a fact that man cannot fly. Well, that, yeah. But the truth is, we fly every day. Yeah. Preacher, we never did it that way before. Probably a fact. You know how most churches move their piano from one side of the building, of the platform, to the other? Four inches at a time. Yeah, four inches at a time. Visions are not about the past. Visions are always about the future. I have been holding on to the vision for Camp Orchardville for, I know, over 10 years in my life. And what I still am believing for is another dorm parked out there close by the one we've got right now. I'd like to see a kitchen built at some point. I'd like to see this floating bridge put in. I'd like to see two 24 by 40 pavilions built that we could use. Some of you are scared to death right now. 
scared to death. Scared to death. But here's what I've seen in 26 years of pastoring. Visions will thrive in unity. And they'll die in disunity. They will. And I would say 75% of churches in America are really not as effective as they should be. And every church, their number one goal should be reaching people for Jesus. That should be our, our very number one goal. Max Licato, in one of his books, he writes about the guide that was trained uh, to be the guide at an art museum. And these are the three things that they told him to do. Number one, lead people to the painting. Number two, tell about the painter. Number three, get out of the way so they can see the painting. Church need to be doing the same thing, same thing, same thing. To where we are leading people to Jesus, we are identifying who Jesus is, and then we are getting out of the way to where they can see the glory of Jesus Christ. In New York City 100 years ago, there was a citywide crusade. The first preacher, and I cannot for the life of me remember what his name was, but uh, he spoke, and after he spoke, the man that owned the New York Times was overheard as saying, my, what a preacher. The following night, D.L. Moody spoke. The New York Times owner was overheard saying, my, what a savior. There's a big difference there. There's a big difference there. For you see your calling. We've been called to leadership. Those that are younger, you say, well, I haven't. I'm, a, I'm just a freshman. Well, you've probably got some eighth graders looking up to you. Everybody been called to leadership. And there are three types of leader. One, a sympathy leader. King Saul was a sympathy leader. It was the people that made me do it. That's sympathy. That's a sympathy leader. Instead of when they sang songs that David, that Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his tens of thousands, instead of joining in the song, no. That green-eyed monster of jealousy rose up. And that was the death knell of King Saul. I think everything spun right there. I think if he, would have, if he would have clapped and danced and sang like everybody else, I think his ministry and leadership would have continued on. But instead, he was jealous of David, and it wiped him out. Sympathy leader is childish and small. Ahab, King Ahab, sympathy leader. I want Naboth's vineyard. It's right beside my vineyard, and I want it, and I want it now. That's what he told his wife. And Jezebel, that old sea hag, <laughs> she brought false accusations against Naboth and had that man killed to where Ahab, her childlike husband, could have the vineyard. Let me tell you, just, you won't forget this. Poochy lippers make poor leaders. <laughs> Poochy lippers make poor leaders. Giving sympathy is not wrong. Hear this. Seeking sympathy is always wrong. Number two, there's the dictator leader. Pharaoh was a dictator leader. Kill the newborn. Herod in the New Testament, a dictator leader. Kill the newborn. 
A dictator leader will always try to kill something new. I've learned to be flexible around here with design changes and But I've kind of learned that through decades of marriage, so I, I've kind of just. <laughs> and then the third one, there was a shepherd leader. Last time I was in Israel, I seen something that I just, I had a phone, I couldn't get the thing to work right to take a picture in time, and then it was, they was down the hill, and I lost it. They also, it was a shepherd, and he was, there he was, he was going in the flock. He was just leading the flock. They was just following right after him. See, in Israel, they don't drive the sheep. They lead the sheep. In other parts of the world, they drive the sheep. Jesus was that servant leader. Matthew chapter 4. Let me read a few scriptures here. Listen, if, if you think you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. And Jesus literally had multitudes following him. In Matthew 4, verse 22, and immediately they left the ship and their father, and they followed him, meaning uh, James and John. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with different diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, ten um, Roman cities and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan and seeing the multitudes. Look in Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. And when Jesus come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. I had a guy a few years back, probably four or five years back, he told me, he said, well, preacher, I just wanted you to know that all those buildings at Orchardville Church, they just really don't, that don't mean nothing to me. And I said, it should, because what it speaks of is organization, vision, the drive to see something through. It should, it should. Jesus, the shepherd leader, was training the disciples on how to follow. You have no authority Listen to this. You have no authority to lead until first you have followed. Yeah. I wouldn't walk across the street to hear anyone preach or teach that they themselves do not have a pastor because it gets its chain of, it, it's the authority. It's what Jesus talked about when he talked with, with the Roman centurion. Roman centurion, he said, uh, I, I'm under authority, meaning that there was Caesar and after Caesar, there was other generals. And then after other generals, then it was the centurion. And then he himself, over a thousand men. And Jesus said, that's great faith. And the reason he said that was because you understand the chain of command and how God only works through designated authority. Not, well, I'll just wing it and do my own thing. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 Let's, let's read this if the world was writing this. The world has chosen intellectual things. 
The world has chosen strong things. The world has chosen high and mighty things. The world has chosen successful things. But that's not what God says. God has chosen foolish things. God has chosen weak things. God has chosen lowly things. God has chosen despised things. Think of the foolishness of preaching. And it wasn't me that coined that phrase. Paul wrote that. Preaching is foolishness. That's what the Bible says. Other than comedians, there's nobody else that gets up in front of people anymore and talks. Except, well, politicians, I guess. But let's just discount them. The foolishness of preaching. Every time before I, yeah, I shouldn't tell. Every time before I walk through that door, I do this number right here. And there's a reason why. <laughs> because when that white shirt is aimed like a flag out there, it's not a good thing. <laughs> not a good thing. And I've had some crazy things happen to me preaching. I've had crazy things happen to me in nursing homes when I've preached. I've had crazy things happen to me at funerals. I've had crazy things, just crazy things. I've had crazy things happen to me. And it's like, Lord, this is kind of foolish. And, well, that's what my word says. It is foolish. When I thought all day long as I worked there at Dowser that I've got to preach there at McLeansboro, three churches is coming together, and they're going to have a service at, one, at the nursing home, and I've got to preach there. And man, preacher, no matter what you say, you can't say I'm glad to be here at the funeral home. Now, I don't know why I put that in my mind. But all day long I work thinking, no, you know, I just, boy, I better not say that. And I'll be, that was the first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> that whole room was packed and I said, I'm glad to be here at the funeral home. And man, <laughs> they just glared at me. <laughs> the foolishness of preaching. And God has chosen that, not the intellectual uh, 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 magnitude that someone has. And Paul said, I did not come to you with enticing words of wisdom, but I came to you under the demonstration power of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul said. Weak things. Think of David's sling up against the mammoth giant of Goliath. Nobody would have put their money down on David. They wouldn't have done it. They just they wouldn't have done it. And yet David came out on top. Lowly things. Mary, the mother of Jesus. I've been to what is remaining of that stone house. And man, I have to admit, that was of the three things, three different experiences I had in Israel, that was one of the top three. How that lowly a young maiden carried the great gift of God for the whole world despised things when they said can anything good come out of Nazareth and God uses these things that nobody else would God sees in ways that nobody else does and then in John chapter 13 I'll close with this there's a verse that has always struck me so powerful John 13 3 
Jesus knowing, now you got to catch every single word of this. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things unto him. All means all, and that's all that it means. All things unto him. And then Jesus gave that power to the church. And then the church has allowed the devil to rob us of power. Isn't it more than ironic that in the, in the book of Genesis, the devil is as a snake, and then in the book of Revelation, he is as a dragon? Somebody fed him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and that he would go to God. All power given unto him. And Jesus rises from supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and a bowl of water and washed the disciples' feet. That has so much meaning to me. He that is greatest among you will be the one that will serve. And Jesus is laying down the vision for the church to get a hold of. This is how we win people. We're only overcome evil with good. And that's exactly what the gospel message has done. This uh, situation with the, the uh, Brantley, Kent Brantley, the doctor, and I've been, I've been watching it thinking, if this does anything, I hope it attracts the attention of people to think that this young man with everything to live for was willing to go to a place where nothing but sick people. His vision was to help them. I hope that wakes people up when they see that and think there is something more than just me living my, my life that I need to reach out to someone else. I hope that happens. All power given unto Jesus. And he picks up a towel and a bowl of water and washes the disciples' feet. I really love that. I really love that. I really love that. A servant leader will show them the vision. And this is what we try to do from time to time here at this church We've laid out different visions, different things that we felt that God was leading us in. And let me just say, I could not ask for a better church to pastor because it's not to where it's, we're fighting the finance team or fighting the deacons or fighting different people to do this or that. As a whole, this church just jumps right in and gets it done. And I think it's because you got vision. And I tip my hat to you and thank you for that. I thank you for that. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, you certainly do not look at things as we look. Lord, the things that you choose, many of us would discard. But God, you choose them and get great glory from it. And Lord, even this foolishness of preaching to where people are able to respond to that. God, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that. 
And I ask now for people here that they need Jesus as their Savior. God, under a simple sermon, just like this, somebody can come to faith in Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would open that door of opportunity, that they would allow that to be open as you knock upon their heart. Help them to respond. And Lord, when I preach to this church, when I preach to Orchardville Church, I preach to a, a group, a room full of ministers. Because God, we have the ministry of reconciliation where we're trying to reach other people and reconcile them to God. I'm not preaching to the laity and I am the clergy. That's not how it operates. We're all in this together. We're all pulling together. And we've all got the round wheels on and not those square wheels. And we're making progress. Thank God. Help us to have the vision and keep that vision intact. In Jesus we're praying. Amen. Let's all stand.
thank you all for being here. Those that's praying, I'm going to just let them pray. And um, I really encourage you, share your faith with someone this week. Someone in your life was very proactive in you receiving Jesus as your, as your Savior. I think that we are indebted to that and we owe a favor to do exactly the same thing to someone else. So uh, don't, let that, don't let those words fall to the ground this week. Uh, lay a hold of that and uh, share your faith with someone. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.